And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome back. I'm Tom Laurie. Today, our guest mentor is 31-year-old Samuel Lyles. He's packed a lot into his life, and as a result, has wisdom beyond his years. Sam worked in Texas Bexar County District Attorney's Office, prosecuting child molestation cases. Prior to that, as a student at Baylor Law School, he interned at Texas Harris County DA's office and worked in the Human Trafficking Division. He gave up his job as a prosecutor once Russia invaded Ukraine and headed there to help with the relief efforts. He has returned and he has quite a story to tell. Welcome, Samuel. Thanks, Tom. Pleased to be here. So let's get started. How long has it been since you returned from the Ukraine? About three weeks. And how long were you in Ukraine? Uh, almost six months. And tell us a little bit, because uh, we're going to spend a little bit more time. We're going to kind of jump around a little bit. Were you on the front lines? Yes, Tom. Uh, the, my organization, the Backroads Foundation, it's our policy that we go to the final destination of the supplies, mostly delivering medical supplies. So. That landed me on the front lines quite a few times. And was there a time that you were in fear of your life? It's when you're in Ukraine and you live there, you get used to the bombs. And so on a daily basis, not really, it's just part of life. But on the front lines, when the bombs are about 10 yards from you, it gets it gets a little scary. And now before you went, as I recall, you had your brothers. Well, first of all, how big a family do you come from? There's uh, nine kids total. And brothers and sisters, how does that break out? Five and four. Five and four. And you had a couple of your brothers or more that went to the Ukraine prior to your uh, going to the Ukraine? Yes, sir. So that ended up being my link. Uh, my younger brother, Andrew and Isaac, probably about at least 10 years ago, maybe more, they went to Odessa and they worked at an orphanage there um, and worked with the kids. And so that became my link to Ukraine as I ended up linking up with a pastor who was in charge of the orphans. And he advised me what kind of help they need. And that's when I jumped on a plane and went to go help them. And that was well before there was any uh, war going on between Russia and Ukraine. I think so. Russia invaded in 2014. They probably went somewhere around 2010. And um, on your way over, uh, you didn't really go directly to Ukraine, right? You went to Prague. Yeah, as it, it worked out really well. So the pastor was in Krakow with 700 orphans. And when I was going over um, with all the refugees fleeing, there, what, I couldn't find anywhere to stay in Krakow. And the, the fights were hard to get. So I decided to go to Prague and get a little bit of distance. It's a four-hour drive to Krakow, so not, not that bad. Um, and I was filling up supplies in Prague and driving to Krakow when I initially got there. And then it turned out the rental car that I got in Prague was able to cross into Ukraine, whereas if I rented from Poland, I wouldn't be allowed to cross. So it worked out really well. So for the audience, just uh, some people may not be geographically uh, sophisticated about that area. Prague is in Czechoslovakia or Czech Republic. Yes, sir. And uh, Krakow is in Poland. Yes, sir. How far away is uh, Krakow from uh, Prague? Uh, four, about four hours. It's a it's pretty hours. easy drive. And when you were in Prague, how close was the Ukraine border from Prague? It would have been depending on which border you cross. So we had our we ended up with a favorite border. Uh, Medica is about two hours from Krakow, and then the north and that one's very popular, very crowded. So we go to the northern border about three hours because we get through faster. Um, so from Prague to the border, it's seven hours. 
So the, uh, I'm going to come back to that. Um, and, and, and so you got to Prague and tell us once you landed, or I, I, did you fly into Prague? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And I, I think with your discussion of, about how everything's pretty close in Europe, people don't realize how close everything is. So in reality, the border was pretty close to uh, both Poland. Well, obviously they both border uh, Ukraine. So, okay. So now you end up in Prague and now were you, did you go with a mission in mind with a plan? And first of all, I want to come back. What was the name of the organization again that you went with? So I, I didn't go with an organization at first. I just booked a one-way ticket and flew over there with not much of a plan. I just knew I wanted to help the orphans. And then later on, I ended up linking up with the Backroads Foundation, which is my organization now. That's called Backroads? Yes, sir. Backroadsfoundation.org. Okay. And I would assume uh, they are taking donations from everybody. Uh, and if they go to the website, they can find that. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Absolutely. I actually, right before this, I was on an advisory board meeting with my team and we realized we have $2,000 left and we have at least $20,000 in expenses every month. So if anyone's feeling generous, the time to give is now. The war fatigue, unfortunately, is real. So the donations, we haven't seen one in about a month. Yeah, I think uh, the headlines today are few and far between from where they were what six eight weeks ago it's just kind of even though the it's still full on it's uh the headlines aren't there uh giving us the day-to-day -day. you can dig for them and find it but just not what it was before now did you go over you, you went over alone but when you got there were there a number of other americans over there as well that you were working with there was a decent amount um especially in Krakow. uh there's a lot of volunteers just showed up sort of a lot like me without much of a plan and then we just ended up uh, running into each other and then you would team up and if you could help someone you would. And it was just absolute chaos at first with all the refugees, all the different organizations, all the different volunteers trying to you know, get everything together it was complete chaos at the start. And you ended up and just show up and then they put you, they assigned you to something. So what I was doing when I first arrived in Prague, I was, delivering food so I could go to the grocery store, fill up an SUV, drive it, drop it off and crack off. And I was providing bedding. Um, so I go to Ikea and I would get mattresses and linens and everything that they needed. And actually when I first drop, dropped off the bedding, uh, the pastor told me there was the first time his daughter had a pillow to sleep on since they escaped Ukraine, which I mean, was just heartbreaking. Well, we're gonna come back. We're at that point where we have to go to our break. We're with our guest mentor, Sam Samuel Lyles, who put it all on the line to help in Ukraine. Make sure you don't miss future shows. Subscribe at our website, thementorsradio.com. That's thementorsradio.com. We're at your favorite podcast platform. This is Tom Laurie, and you're listening to The Mentors Radio Show. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. Feelgreat.vip to learn more.
Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com. And mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie. Today, I am with Samuel Lyles, a former prosecutor in Texas who gave up his job and put himself in harm's way to help with relief efforts in Ukraine. Remember, you can also listen to this show or any previous show via podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, Google, and more on any device, anytime, or subscribe at TheMentorsRadio.com. So, Samuel, we were talking about your trip over. If Somebody who's in the listening audience feels uh, also that they'd like to get outside their comfort zone. Uh, what would you? What advice would you give them as far as uh, helping in Ukraine? It really depends on how far out of their comfort zone they want to get. Uh, we've had a lot of volunteers connect with us, uh, wanting to help just by word of mouth. Um, but we also have a lot of volunteers that don't know how to drive manual, <laughs> which is necessary, and don't want to cross into Ukraine and cross the border. Uh, if someone now, if they want to go over, there's a huge need because a lot of the volunteers have come back. And if they're comfortable with it, you can easily link up with my organization or other organizations, um, whether it's driving supplies, whether it's going and playing with orphans or helping refugees, there's still so many opportunities. Now, tell us about Kelly. So Kelly is how I ended up at Backroads. She found me on Facebook probably two weeks after I'd been over there. And she was essentially doing the same thing. She went, she had gone to Lviv at that point running supplies. And so she told me there was a soldier that went over there to join the Foreign Legion and ended up getting stuck at the border. But while I was doing that, he made connections uh, with a government official in Venezia. And she just reached out to me. I had no idea who she was. And she said, hey, I have this guy who has supplies that needs to go to Venezia and Ukraine. It's about almost, it's the heart of Ukraine. It's like dead center Ukraine. And she's like, can you drive him? And I said, sure. <laughs> so uh, that's where the relationship started. Um, and she knew Solomon, the founder of Backroads, is how I ended up segueing into this organization. And did you have Wi-Fi so you could use GPS or something? I mean, you, you certainly don't know uh, Ukraine like the back of your hand. I actually know it pretty well now. <laughs> yeah, now. I yeah, I drove so much. Uh, I've gone to almost every inch of Ukraine. But uh, surprisingly, I had AT&T, and I had full service most of the time. Uh, the front lines is where the Russians would actually block service. Um, so you had to be... You had to know where you're going on the front lines, but the big cities like Kiev, Lviv, Odessa had normal service, which I was not expecting. And when you were heading over, I was, it was, were you filled with excitement, uh, fear? What, what were you feeling as you were throughout your journey, as you got over there, started to, I, I know you, from what I understand, you told your dad, you weren't going to, or your family and your dad, but you weren't going to cross the border, but you did. Uh, so yes. what were your feel? What were you feeling at the time through all of this? So when I was going over, I was probably described the feeling most accurately as uncertainty, not knowing uh, how long I was going for, if it was going to work out. Uh, since I had a very loose plan, I just uh, for me, I thought the Lord told me this is where you need to be, and I answered the call. Um, but yes, I told my family I wasn't going to cross into Ukraine, and then. 
few weeks later, there I was. And was there any moment in particular that uh, was very fearful for you? Yeah, there was. I had a pretty close call in Seabursk, uh, which is essentially the front lines on eastern southeast in the Donbass region. And so I frequently delivered supplies to Bakhmud, which a lot of listeners may be familiar with. Um, it's very hot territory right now. And so I go to the hospital there and drop off supplies. And actually, um, his name was Angelo. He's 20 years old, maybe a buck 20, soaking wet. And he had been hit with artillery in his face, his neck, his back, and his arms. And he was at the hospital I delivered to. And him and two other soldiers, they basically like, hey, can you please take us back to our units? Even though they're fairly safe at the hospital and comfortable, you know, just typical Ukrainian people, they want to go fight for their country. So I said, sure, I had room. I just emptied my truck. And so they got in and they were directing me where to go. And we ended up in Seaversk and there's just smoke everywhere because bombs are going off. And after I dropped them off, each one had a different unit. And this was one of those times when a map would have been useful because uh, I was really close to the Russians. Um, you drive as fast as you can. You have to weave through uh, blown up cars. You can see where they've been hit. You have to try to drive underneath the trees um, so the drones can't see you and the, you won't be targeted. But as I was leaving Seaversk, uh, I, I imagine they were shooting at me, but the house next to me, probably 10 yards away, blew up. Uh, and I was, it was just complete adrenaline and the fear doesn't set until basically afterwards and you realize what just happened. Because in the moment you're just, you're focused, you have the adrenaline going, you're, I mean, I was just trying to survive at that point. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. This is Tom Laurie. We're with Samuel Lyles, who just returned from Ukraine. So that sounded pretty scary, pretty close call. Uh, 10 yards isn't that far away, uh, particularly when something blows up. What what is your what was the level? Tell us about the suffering of the people that you saw. So the suffering is, I mean, it's rampant throughout the entire country. And if you talk about there's everyone's losing their jobs. They don't have money for food. Uh, where I lived in Odessa, most of the men worked uh, on ships or in the port. And since all that was shut down, there's none of them could find work. And so one of the things we're still trying to do is trying to figure out a, a way to get these men who aren't serving and you know they haven't been called up yet uh, to find work because they have to support their family. Um, but when you go to um, closer to the, the front, like Mikolaev, it's not quite abandoned, but there's buildings are blown up, mostly grocery stores and apartments, but not hitting military targets. They're just targeting citizens. And then like if you can see burst, I saw one person the entire time I was there um, who wasn't a soldier. It's just completely abandoned. But they, I mean, they lost their homes. And then you hear about, I mean, I had several friends die while I was there, which, which is terrible. And, you know, there's a lot of brave men who willingly risked their lives for their country. And then we'd hear about just innocent civilians getting killed every single day. So it's part of it is, I mean, it's a beautiful country. And if you go to Kiev or Lviv, it's almost normal now. It seems like it's thriving. Um, but the part of the countries that are, are really being affected is just absolutely heartbreaking and terrible. So how did this change you? I mean, I'm, there's no way I'll ever be the same. It's, I mean, it gives you insight into the evil in the world. Uh, when you've mentioned what I did for a career before, I thought I'd seen a lot of evil, but I mean, you're talking now they're targeting civilians, they're killing them, they're castrating the soldiers. Um, there's you know, mass graves everywhere. And just being back in America where it's normal and I'm safe, it's, it's almost a strange feeling. Like you feel out of place after hearing bombs, you know, go off every single day. It, now, even when I drive, it's, if you think, I just think, I'm like, is someone watching me? Is a bomb gonna go off? Um, and then about almost every night I have nightmares where I'm getting blown up and I physically will like jump out of bed and wake up and feel like I got basically shell-shocked. So yeah, there's, it's changed me you know, mentally, physically, and 
every day all I can think about is like, how can I help Ukraine? How can we, you know, help end this war and keep these people safe? And have you thought about going back? Every day. Uh, and I, I will go back for sure. It all comes down to finances. I don't know if I'll go back long term or go back to do certain trips and take supplies. Um, but yes, I'll definitely be going back. So we got to go to break. And when we come back, what I want to, to ask you about is you felt this was a calling. Let's little talk a little bit about a calling. We're going to be right back with our guest mentor, Samuel Lyles, who put it all on the line to help relief efforts in Ukraine. Remember, you can now listen to our Saturday broadcast live anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio by clicking on San Francisco's KTRB 860 AM, The Answer. This is Tom Laurie. This is the Mentors Radio Show. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org. Oathbook.org. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com and mention The Mentor. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and today I'm with Samuel Lyles, a former prosecutor in Texas who gave up his job and put himself in harm's way to help with relief efforts in the Ukraine. You're listening to The Mentors Radio Show. Uh, so you're Let's talk a little bit about calling. You you said that you felt this was a calling before you went over there. Now, well, first of all, explain to the audience what a calling is. So when I say calling, uh, I mean spiritually. I felt the, the Lord was telling me I had to go to Ukraine. Um, and at different times in my life, I'm very spiritual. I've had felt like I've had callings. Like being a prosecutor, going to law school, I had felt like that's what I was supposed to do. This one was different. This one was like my 
I felt my soul and every ounce of my body that I had to go. And it, I mean, I basically didn't have a choice. It was where this needed to be done. I needed to go help these people, go love on them and help in any way I could. And um, your mother died when you were 20. Correct. And I assume she, she was pretty young when she passed away herself. I mean, she 40s, 50s. Yeah, she was 50. Yeah. And where were you in the birth order? I am the, the third. Number three. What influence did your mother have uh, on you with regards to um, doing something like this? Uh, it was, she had an immense impact on my life um, in regards to this is something she probably would have done. <laughs> she would, if she was still here, she would have gone over there with me. Uh, she, she was fearless and she loved helping people, loving on people. Uh, she went to the Gaza Strip to help people there and went to, at the time they were fighting and I, I don't know exactly what she was doing there, but she it was the same way if she felt the Lord told her she needed to do something, she was gonna do it. Um, so. Uh, her being kind of my spiritual guidance growing up, losing her was, it was very tough. It, it shook me uh, to the bone. And I was in uh, college at the time in Texas A&M, and I actually ended up taking off a semester uh, just to try to you know, process it. And I uh, moved to Africa to work at an orphanage there for a while. And uh, of course, when you lose somebody that close, you, you never really get over it. it you, it's always there with you. But what would you say? How your how did your mother shape you? I was, I mean, she just she taught us you had to love people and that uh, you had to show Christ love in every aspect of your life, and you had to live radically, not a safe life. A lot of people don't want to, you know, stick their neck out there or. They don't even want to talk to people um, who aren't in their bubble. Um, but she taught us, we, we'd have so many conversations with random strangers on the streets. If she ever uh, saw someone begging for money, she, she would walk over and, and go talk to them and just love on them. So uh, her impact is, and through all my other siblings too, is definitely everlasting. And tell me a little bit about your dad. What does he do and his impact and shaping you for a journey like this? Yeah, so he um, basically, and, and he's a lawyer as well, but now he mostly helps invest in companies. Um, but after my mom passed, me and him, we did become close and became friends where we'd advise each other uh, spiritually as well. Um, and <laughs> before I went to Poland, he, he was definitely, definitely scared and didn't want me to go, uh, but he understood that I was on a mission and he <laughs> he definitely didn't want me to go into Ukraine. <laughs> and uh, were you in, how did you communicate with your family once you were in the Ukraine? Uh, we use an app called Signal. It's, it's like WhatsApp, but it's encrypted because uh, Russia was tracking all American numbers. Uh, if regular text message or any other app really wasn't safe. The only one that Russia hadn't broke the encryption was Signal. So that's the only way we communicated when we're there. And what uh, would your dad say, how you changed when you came back from the UK? I mean, he, he knows I'm different, um, but there's still that drive uh, where I still you know, want to help people in any manner, uh, especially in Ukraine. So he's, he's been understanding in regards to me adjusting back because it's, I mean, it's been, three or four weeks and it's definitely a process, but very supportive. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. This is Tom Moore with Samuel Lyles, who just returned from Ukraine. Now, when you got back, uh, you had quit your job as a DA, assistant DA. And what does the future hold for you now? With all these events in Mozambique and loss of your mother and going to the Ukraine, I, I mean, you're only 31 and you've already packed a lot in those 31 years. Uh, so what's next? I'm actually starting a law practice on my own and I'll be focusing on criminal defense. I believe everyone deserves a defense. I'm jumping on the other side from being a prosecutor. 
and then I'll pursue some other ventures as well. Uh, my main focus, because uh, when I was in Ukraine, I was the frontline striver. Essentially, it became my job, um, and I ended up making friends and with Ukrainians who needed jobs. And so, basically, I pulled out to try to help fundraise and support the organization. And one of my friends who's Ukrainian, we're actually able to give him a salary, and now he does those runs uh, with some of our other friends as well. So my focus is get established and get to a point where I can financially support the organization. And was it your dad that influenced you to go into law? It, he had something to do with it. Uh, when I went to a I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no plan. Uh, I thought about military or some, something like that, but there was nothing concrete. And then actually when I was in Africa, that's when I, again, I felt the calling that I needed to go to law school, um, to essentially to help protect children is what I felt. And so I always knew a lawyer has a lot of opportunities, so it was always a good fallback. Um, but the main influence was, the, I thought the Lord told me that's where my life was going. And when you were working in the orphanage in Mozambique, uh, what was the takeaway there? What were the lessons learned? That, that was eye-opening because I was in the bush and we didn't have running water, and we didn't have electricity, and just the poverty level uh, was heartbreaking. And, but again, the people were so wonderful. It's very different than Ukraine. And it was, I mean, you're talking about brick huts we were making. We were actually make, uh, making bricks for the, the build huts and for the orphanage and things like that. But that was definitely my first insight to getting out of the, you know, the American bubble and seeing how the other world works and that you know, there are people in need that, you know, have greater needs than us. We're worried about, do we have the latest iPhone or technology? And these people are just wondering where they're going to get clean water from. Well, I've traveled quite a bit in the world. And one thing and you've had that experience is that you go into some of these countries and you see what real poverty is. Uh, people talk about uh, poverty in the United States, uh, but it's nothing compared to the poverty that you can find outside the United States. Uh, I had uh, spent a fair amount of time in Venezuela. Uh, and uh, the thing that I found interesting is that uh, despite uh, the poverty, uh, a lot of these people were happy. Uh, and we're going to come back and talk about that. We've got to go to break. We're going to be right back with our guest mentor, Samuel Lyles, who put it all on the line to help relief efforts in the Ukraine. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org, oathbook.org. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have my pillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the U.S. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS 
to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount, go to MyPillow.com forward slash mentors. You must include the code mentors. That's MyPillow.com forward slash mentors or click the banner on our website. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Loy, and today I'm with Samuel Lyles, a former prosecutor in Texas who gave up his job and put himself in harm's way to help with relief efforts in Ukraine. When we uh, ended the uh, last segment, we were talking about uh, poor areas outside the United States, very poor areas compared to what we consider poor here. And the uh, joy that we saw in the faces of so many people, uh, despite this uh, poverty that we uh, we saw and observed. Of course, we were relating it back to what we knew. You just mentioned while we were on break about the simple life. Share your thoughts on uh, the simple life and what you learned, because there's a lot there for everybody to understand. There is. And when I was in Africa, it was even more simple than in different parts of Ukraine, because Ukraine does have poverty. Um, but in Africa, it's the, I mostly work with the children, but even the adults, they're so happy that one, that you're there. If you have a piece of candy, it's going to make their year. You're talking about a annual household income. I believe when I was there was $400 and they're just, they're surviving. They're walking miles to get clean water. They're, you know, living off very, uh, like piecemeal meals where there's not much, it's just your rice and bread that they make themselves. But they are, they still have so much joy and especially um, we would see how thankful they are and uh, when you got involved with the churches there, how passionate they were to help other people in poverty, even though they're in poverty to themselves. It's, it, I mean, it warms your heart and changes your mindset from what you think poverty is when we see in the U.S. it looks very different in other countries. Well, I, I live in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, uh, I would say there's a very materialistic orientation to so much of life, and, and a great deal of happiness as well, um, which people don't connect that. They think that uh, joy is going to be found in having a lot of money, but uh, I think the lessons are different. I, I want to talk now about uh, your role as a, an assistant DA, the interning you did. Uh, you were involved in an area that is really one of my hot spots, and that has to do with child molestation, child trafficking, and all that's going on. And uh, we know with the uh, the border problem down along uh, Texas and uh, New Mexico and Arizona, California, uh, child trafficking is a major issue. Um, but you you were while you were at Baylor, uh, you you interned and you were in. Uh, family violence and human trafficking. Tell us a little bit about what you saw, what you learned, and what you did. When it was, I worked for the human trafficking division in Harris County. Um, that's in Houston, Texas, which is a trafficking hub. And it was probably my first insight into just absolute pure evil. Um, you'd see these men recruit really young girls, usually around 13. Uh, start giving them drugs, give them a false sense of security, and then um, have them just work for them to basically get drugs back from them. And so they lure them in, they trap them in a situation where they're addicted to heroin or meth, whatever it is, and then they just take advantage of them. And once they think they're used up, they throw them out. Uh, you're talking about they, they'll run through girls like within weeks, and they're just constantly recruiting them. So. When I went, it was it was it was tough. It was a lot of heartbreaking cases, seeing mostly young women um, just get having their lives destroyed by predators. It was very disturbing. How did they get recruited? How did they? What was the mo for these people that recruited them? So it's a little different. And what a lot of people, when they think of human trafficking, they think international, um, like deploying people through, and that is true. A lot of trafficking is happening at the border. But when you're inside the city, um, a lot of them are finding young girls on Facebook or whatever social media um, is popular at the time. And they start just talking to them and they start saying, oh, you know, I'll support you. And they're, they're actually sound like they're being really nice and that they almost love these girls. 
because um, when I got the cases, we had their phones. So we could read all the text messages and chats and um, from the, the ones that we actually caught. So we got to see the recruiting process. And unfortunately, a lot of the girls would willingly go. I mean, you're talking about 13. Um, and in Texas, you can't even consent to sex at that age. But um, they willingly go because they think there's this better life out there. And then once they get that false sense of security, they're just trapped. And they're, they're treated like animals, like their property. And I, 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 when we talked last week, you said this goes across all income levels, ethnicities, and everything else. This is not just one group. And what's so? What's the common denominator that makes these girls vulnerable? So, with the human trafficking, uh, it, a lot of it is you have, uh, low income, uh, unstable households, and sometimes, and unfortunately, they're young girls. They're naive. So the target is usually low income with child molestation. There's, it's hard to find an MO because that does go across every single um, economic, socioeconomic status. No one is exempt. It's not just people who are living in poverty. It's predators, men, mostly men who see children as sex objects and try to take advantage of them. So. The child molestation, human trafficking, it, it obviously a process pass, um, but the people who are doing it are much different. Are boys ever involved in trafficking? I mean, being trafficked? They are, but it's rare. Um, it's, and it, it's becoming, I would say, more popular. But when I was just at Harris County, it was pretty rare. I only had a few cases. And I, what I noticed um, from the boy cases as well is they're less willing to come forward and with the child molestation when boys are molested they usually don't say anything and while you were in uh and for at bexar county where exactly is bexar county san antonio texas san antonio and while uh you were there in your last uh, position as an assistant da uh you got involved with big brothers and big sisters tell us a little bit about that Oh, I love Big Brothers, Big Sisters. So I got involved. I just, I wanted to love on kids. Uh, it was definitely a passion of mine. So I just was like, oh, let me go check out. They had an open house. I got signed up. I got, um, they asked me who I wanted to be matched with. And I said, give me the biggest problem you have. And I got the opposite. <laughs> Dean is uh, my little, and he's he's wonderful. He's so kind. Uh, he, they, there's three brothers in his family. All three have mentors. Uh, there's three different dads. Their mom committed suicide in jail, um, which is unfortunate. And I got to go in and not just be involved in Dean's life, but his brothers as well. And it's one of those things where you enjoy it so much. I mean, I see Dean every week. It's not, oh, I have to go hang out and mentor this, this child. You know, he's a teenager now. It's, I get the opportunity and I get um, to take advantage of hanging out with a wonderful human being and help shape him into you know the man you want him to be. And uh, you also started a blanket drive. Is that still ongoing in San Antonio? I, I should more than blankets, water, food, and clothes. So that it will go on every Christmas. It's uh, I think we're on our it'll be our fourth year and once. It gets close, starts getting cold in Texas, which isn't really until December. Uh, then we start, I start collecting, reaching out social media in any way I can. And yep, then a, a week before Christmas, we get baskets and carts and we just start walking around downtown San Antonio and handing out everything we can find. And what inspired you to do that? Uh, I have a, just a weakness for the unfortunate, especially the homeless. And when I was a prosecutor, we saw a lot of homeless people come through as defendants, and most of it was drugs, you know, petty stuff. They're just in a bad place. And I got to watch one of my friends come through. Unfortunately, I grew up with him in high school, and he came through. I ended up seeing his case, and then I give him blankets every year now. So I just wanted to help them out. Well, we're going to come back for the last segment. Uh, we'll be right back with our guest mentor, Samuel Lyles, who put it all on the line to help relief efforts in Ukraine. And before that, he worked in the uh, 
child molestation and violence sector down in Texas. You'll find all of our past shows, show notes, and links to our website at thementorsradio.com. That's thementorsradio.com. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of Bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. Feelgreat.vip to learn more. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have My Pillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the U.S. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash MENTORS. You must include the code MENTORS. That's MyPillow.com forward slash MENTORS or click the banner on our website. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com KML-PC.com and mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and today I'm with Samuel Lyles, former prosecutor in Texas who gave up his job and put himself in harm's way to help with relief efforts in Ukraine. So in the last segment, you've got this uh, pretty full life for somebody that's uh, 31 and all the things that you've done. And if you were mentoring uh, somebody, let's say in high school, let's start there. What advice would you give them? So Dean is in high school. He actually, <laughs> so I am mentoring someone in high school. And I mean, I, I tell them that you always have to love on people you need to pursue what's right. Um, and you have to figure out what's right on your own as well. And I think that's very big because people grow up with these lenses and they see the world in one way and they refuse to see it in a different way. But um, what I tell him, Dean is you need to determine for yourself what's right, what's wrong. And you have to listen to the Lord when he talks to you. And that's how it should shape your life. Don't live in fear. Don't ever operate out of fear, but only operate out of love. So I hear the listen to the Lord when he talks to you. What is your MO on how you put yourself in a mindset or place to do that so you can hear what is being said? It's it's tough. Um, it's something that 
I, I definitely struggle with. And it's just being submissive to the point where, uh, for me, I'm, I think of myself as a vessel. Uh, life's short. You know, you know, tomorrow's not even guaranteed. So you want to live to your fullest. And if, or, I mean, for me, if the Lord's called me to do something, uh, I'm going to do it. And every time I have it, it has worked out very well. And stepping it up a little bit, you're, you have a bunch of peers you, you hang out with, maybe some people that are slightly older than you. Uh, what advice would you give people that are your age, still fairly young adults? You told so, Dean one thing. Uh, what, what do you tell others now that are 10 years down the road from Dean or 15 years down the road, they've experienced a lot of life. Uh, do a lot of people ask you about these experiences? Uh, they do. Um, everyone always asks if I was scared. <laughs> That's the main question I get. But if we're talking about um, mentoring to my peers, it, the same message goes, you know, don't operate out of hate or fear, operate out of love. But for me, the biggest thing is don't be complacent. Um, like I'm 31. I could have stayed at the DA's office and gone that comfortable route. But it's, if we're complacent, we're doing something wrong. We have to put ourselves out there, um, not just to, to minister, but to help others. And when uh, they ask you about what, how you're going, I've, I'm not sure if they do, but how you're going to translate this into the future, what would you tell them? And to your future? And to my, my future is I'm going to uh, keep operating as I have listened to when the Lord calls me to do something and I'll, I'll walk that route. And for me, Ukraine is going to be a life mission there. It's not, even if the war ends tomorrow, there's still cleanup to do. There's still a lot of people that need help. So uh, when I keep going, I'm going to love on people on the way and especially in Ukraine. And how do your brothers and sisters uh, look to you today? Having come back from Ukraine? Uh, they're happy I'm back and, and that I'm safe. Uh, and the, um, they're honestly, they were really just, they're glad I'm back. And when we talk, it's, I tell them the same thing. I'm like, Hey, I went out of my comfort zone. This is what our mom would have done. This is how you should live your life as well. And it doesn't, you don't have to go into a war zone. You just have to love and give to others. Well, you've packed a lot into your 31 years. I want to thank you for taking the time for joining us today. We've been talking with Samuel Lyles, a former Texas prosecutor who gave up his job and put himself in harm's way to help with relief efforts in Ukraine. Remember to subscribe to future shows at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. Join us next week at the same time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember to be all that you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.